0: Hello and welcome to the I Can Do Podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. When you turn over to Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul reminded the saints of Who they now were in Jesus Christ because of what Christ had done and because what they had done. They had obeyed the gospel. He would also remind them in Romans chapter 6 verses 3, 4, and 5 about the fact that they had been baptized into Christ, that they were now united with Jesus Christ. He would say this in Romans chapter 6, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Christ, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. He would remind them in verse number seven that they indeed had died, and now as a result, they were freed from sin. They had died to sin. They had been baptized into the death of Christ. They had reached the blood of Jesus Christ, which washed away their sins. And they were now in Jesus Christ. And they were united with Christ. They had fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And they were now walking in newness of life. Why newness of life? Well, this newness of life was because their past sins had been washed away. And after baptism comes this newness of life. And so Paul reminded them of who they were and what they had done and the result of that. And that would be important because as you think about the Bible and what the Bible has to say about salvation and where salvation is found, it is found in Jesus Christ. And now these Christians, because of their obedience to the gospel, faith, repentance, and baptism for the forgiveness of sins, We're in Jesus Christ. When Peter and John, after they performed a miracle in Acts chapter 3, as they were talking to some of the Jews at that time, they reminded them that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven. That has been given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. And those Christians at that time, as well as us, we are in Christ where salvation is found. And it's important to be in Christ. And baptism is essential so that we are in Christ where salvation is found. In fact, Jesus makes it very clear about why we must be in him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And when one is in Jesus Christ, they are now complete. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 10, Paul said, and in him. You see, these individuals, they were now in Jesus. And they were in Jesus Christ when they were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And he would say to them, and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. You see, when you're in Jesus Christ, and if you are in Jesus Christ this morning, then you are complete. You lack nothing. You are in where salvation is found. And that also means that if you are not in Jesus Christ, if you have not been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, then you are, you're not complete. Because you're not in Christ where salvation is found. You're not saved from your sins. Paul never really had a problem talking about baptism and the essential nature of baptism when it comes to being forgiven for our sins. And yet many people today have questions. And many people today deny that baptism is essential. Many people today deny that baptism is necessary to be saved. Paul reminded the saints in Rome about what they had done, how they were freed from sin, And it's good for us to be reminded as well how we have been freed from sin. And I say that because when you think about what's out in the world, when you think about Christianity, kind of general, and you think about the different churches and denominations that are out there, there are a lot of different teachings or doctrines concerning baptism. And I have on the slide here the devil's doctrine concerning baptism. Now, that may come across a little bit mean and a little bit cold to some people, but I'm using that language because... There is teaching out there in the world that is directly opposed to the truth, that is directly opposed to what the Bible says concerning baptism. In fact, Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1, he talked about how that in the latter days or latter times, the Spirit explicitly says that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And we know that there is wisdom that is earthly and demonic in nature, according to James chapter 3. And some of this doctrine that is taught concerning baptism, which makes people believe that it's not essential for salvation. It can come in a variety of shapes and forms that we need to be aware of as we talk to people. And to also guard our faith. And let me just share with you some of the ways that sometimes it is presented. Sometimes it's presented in this nature. Say this prayer to accept Jesus in your heart. I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have heard that. This is taught by so many people in the world. And it's believed, sadly, by so many people. And the devil's doctrine concerning baptism and how it's not essential or necessary, it can come in that form. And sometimes people may say, well, salvation comes prior to baptism. I was saved before I was baptized. Have you heard somebody say something like that? And sometimes it may appear in this way. Belief, well, belief is all you need. You don't need to be baptized. And the devil's doctrine concerning baptism sometimes, sometimes people will argue, well I hear what Jesus said about baptism. I hear what you're saying about passages, maybe like Mark 16 verse 16, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, he who does not believe shall be condemned. But sometimes people will say, well wait a second, baptism is a work and you're trying to work your way to heaven and we're not saved by works. And so baptism, therefore, is not necessary. And then there may just be some who just don't want to play around and just say, look, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. You don't need baptism at all. You look at some of these mass conventions that are out in the world and the religious world and how thousands upon thousands of people are saved when the preacher or some celebrity preacher Or pastor pastor, however they call themselves. By the way, anybody that calls themselves a celebrity preacher, run to the hills, okay? Uh, But they'll say, look, no, this is all you need to do. You can be baptized later on, but you can be saved right here, right now. Well, that goes against what the Bible has to say concerning salvation. What Paul said, whether in Romans... And, and what Jesus said and what Paul said in other places and this morning I want us to look at what the Bible teaches concerning Salvation or baptism and the necessity of baptism when it comes to having our sins forgiven our study is going to come from Colossians chapter 2 and primarily we're going to look at three verses verses 11 12 and 13 The title of this lesson comes from Colossians chapter 2 faith in the working of God now What's interesting about Colossians is that there were a variety of philosophies philosophies and doctrines that the saints needed to be aware of, that they needed to guard themselves from. And they needed to remember who they were in Christ. In fact, Paul reminded them about this, about how they needed to be rooted in Christ earlier in verse number seven. And then he said in verse number eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And as we read earlier, in him you have been made complete and he is the head over all rule and authority. As we study the word of God with others, make no mistake about it, there are many people who believe that baptism is not essential for salvation. That yes, I can be baptized, but salvation really has it has no impact upon my salvation at all. And I believe these three verses here give us great clarity for our sake, for our faith, and also to share with others The necessity of baptism. So let's walk through this together. Look at verse number 11 where Paul says, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. The first thought I want you to consider is what Paul says here where Paul is going to say in verse number 11... That these Christians had received circumcision made without hands. Well, what does that mean? Well, to understand what that means, we need to go back to Genesis chapter 17. So go there with me, please, and look at verses 10, 11, and 12. Because here we find God speaking to Abraham regarding circumcision, which which would be made by hands. And so there's a contrast that Paul is doing here or using to drive home a point. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 10, 11, and 12, listen to what God said to Abraham. He said, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised through your generations. A servant who is born in the house, or or who is uh, bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. So, number one, look at verse number ten. Paul or uh, God began to talk about uh, this covenant that He was going to establish with Abraham. And also his descendants, talking about the nation of Israel. He said, every male among you shall be circumcised. So This circumcision was going to be for men, for boys. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. This circumcision is a cutting away of a small part of skin. This foreskin on every male. What was the purpose of it? Well, God said in verse number 11, it should be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, in verse number 12, he gave some additional details. He said, every male among you who is eight days old, so now we know when this was to take place, every male who is eight days old shall be circumcised through your generations. Now, I want you to look at Exodus chapter 4, please. In Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 25, this circumcision began with Abraham and would be carried out with his descendants, Where you have Moses who was a giver of the law. And what we find in Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 25. We have the example of Moses and his wife Zipporah circumcising their son. In verse number 25 the Bible says. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. That's a whole other sermon for another time, but she's not happy, all right? Look at the next verse. So he let him alone. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So I'm reading this. I want you to see it because this circumcision that was given to Abraham and their descendants was a circumcision made by hands. But now go back to Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2, what's Paul emphasizing to the saints? He said, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So notice what he's emphasizing here in verse number 11. He's talking about a circumcision made Without hands. So it's not this circumcision that we saw like with Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Rather, this was a circumcision made without hands. And notice how he describes it at the end of verse number 11. By the circumcision of Christ. So Paul is not talking about the circumcision that Jesus would have received when he was eight days old. Make no mistake about it. He was circumcised. His foreskin was cut off. But rather this circumcision of Christ is something that Christ has done on these Christians. This is a circumcision made without hands. And what is this cutting away? What is being cut away? What is being removed? Because that is what circumcision is. It's a cutting away. In the flesh, like with Abraham and Moses, a small part of skin. But here in verse number 11, Paul said this. He said, in the removal of... Of the body of the flesh. I'm reading from the New American translation. And what I put up on the slide here. Is the King James translation. Which I think illustrates this a little bit more clearly. Putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. So do you see what Paul is talking about here? When he talks about this circumcision of Christ. He's talking about this circumcision of Christ. There is this cutting off or removal of the sins committed in. In the flesh. And that's the idea of the body denotes the whole group or mass of sins committed in the flesh. Now, why is this important? Well, this is important because a lot of people today say, well, with respect to sin, when does this removal of sin take place? That's where a lot of confusion is. So we're seeing here that there is a circumcision of Christ, something made without hands, where Christ removes our sins. Now the question is, when does that take place? When does the removal of sins, when are our sins cut off? Well, look at the very next verse. In verse number 12, notice back in Colossians 2 and verse 12, Paul said, "...having been buried with him in baptism." In which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So Paul answers the question of when this circumcision of Christ occurs, having been buried with him in baptism. So it is in baptism when this circumcision of Christ is done, where this removal of sin is taken away, buried with him. In baptism, now there's a couple of things that we can say here. This is when the removal of our sins take place, and it it does help us understand some more things about uh, biblical baptism. Biblical baptism is a burial. It is not a sprinkling that Catholics and Protestants and others um, engage in. It is a burial in water, and when you think about baptism, there's a burial and a rising from water. And you think about Christ, it, it pictures what happened with Christ. He died, was buried, and was raised to life. And we die to sin. We are buried in water and are raised to walk in newness of life. Now, newness of life, is, that language is not found here, but there's similar language in verse 13 where Paul talks about being alive together with him. And I want you to notice that this being alive together with him or this newness of life as he talked about in Romans chapter 6, when does it occur? It occurs after one has been buried in baptism. You see that? So it helps us to see that the removal of sin does not take place prior to one's baptism, but it takes place when one is buried in water for the forgiveness of sins. This circumcision of Christ, this removal of sin, this is when it happens. And that's important for us to understand because there's so much confusion out there about when are our sins truly forgiven. When we say some prayer, which is not found in the New Testament, when we merely believe, well, Paul said, no, this circumcision of Christ takes place when we are buried with him in baptism. Now, when people hear this, and maybe you have, maybe you've thought about this, maybe someone in your family has asked you these kinds of questions before. Uh, sometimes people will say, well, I hear what you're saying. However, I have a couple of questions. Number one, one of the big uh, objections a lot of people have is they say, well, baptism is a work of man. And we're not saved by works. That's probably one of the biggest things people will say. Well, we we do have to acknowledge what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. Will you turn over there? And In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10 Where Paul said this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I agree that our salvation, it is a gift of God. And by God's grace, we are saved. We don't work our way to heaven. We don't earn our way to heaven. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in him. So, yes, we are saved by the grace of God. I I believe that as well. But this argument that, well, baptism is a work of man and we're not saved by works. When people make this argument, they're missing something vital. And what they're missing is emphasized back in Colossians 2 and verse number 12. Will you turn back over there? Because what Paul does in this verse here, he makes it very clear who's at work when one is buried in baptism. When we submit to God and are buried uh, in Christ or buried in baptism, notice what Paul said, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith. Here it is, in the working of God. That's what I want you to see, the working of God. So who is at work when one is buried in baptism? Well, Paul said God is the one That is at work. It is the working of God. And I like the King James translation again. Through the operation of God. So when one is buried in baptism for the forgiveness of sins. That is when this circumcision of Christ occurs. And it is God who is at work removing one's sins at that time. And so the argument of, well, it's just a work and we're not saved by works, we're not saying that this is something we're trying to do to earn our salvation. We have to submit to Christ and submit to his authority and what he teaches concerning salvation. But Paul makes it very clear. Let me tell you who's at work. God is. God is the one who is operating and God is the one who is removing our sins. And think about what else Paul said in verse 12. You were raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It was God who was working when Christ was raised. And it's God who works when we submit to him in baptism. Now this answers so many questions that people have. And it certainly answers this objection that a lot of people have. God is the one who is at work. Now another objection that some people will have is, well, And I had a Bible study a month and a half ago, and somebody said this. I was baptized earlier. I have been baptized. I just never knew that it was essential for salvation. I just believe that my salvation took place before I was baptized. But I think I'm okay. Because I was baptized. Well, how do we handle that? I think Colossians 2 and verse 12 gives us the answer to that as well. Having been buried with him in baptism... In which you were also raised up with him, notice what he says, through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. One who believes that they said this prayer and they were saved, or they believe and now they're saved here. And then maybe four or five weeks later they they go to a camp or they go to their congregation and they're baptized. But that baptism plays no role in their salvation whatsoever. Well, that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. And I love what Paul says here, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. There's an understanding that God is at work. There has to be this faith and this trust that God indeed is the one removing our sins. You were raised with him through faith in the working of God. One must have this faith in the operation of God, of what is actually happening when baptism And when their baptism is occurring. Those who believe they were saved prior to baptism. Can they really have faith in the working of God? Well they put no value or no emphasis upon what is actually happening here. And so this idea of well I I was baptized. And I don't think I need to be again. Even though I believed I was saved before my baptism. And my baptism played no role in my salvation. Well that's not biblical baptism. Because there's faith and trust in what is actually happening. When we are baptized, that God is at work and that our sins indeed are being forgiven. And these verses, I believe, make it very clear about the necessity of baptism. Paul is going to continue on in verse number 13 where he says this in verse number 13. Watch what he does in verse 13. He said, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions. So consider what he's saying here. When you were dead in your transgressions, so very similar to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So he's talking about before they had been obedient to the gospel. What was their condition? Before they had been buried with Christ, what was their condition? Their condition was that they were dead That they were in their transgressions, and notice the language, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Remember he talked about circumcision back in verse 11? This circumcision of Christ, this removal of sin. He said, no, before you were baptized, before you obeyed the gospel, you were dead. You were uncircumcised. But as a result of what has happened, and notice what he says, what else, in verse 13... He made you alive. So again, who's the emphasis on? God. Who's the one at work? God. He made you alive. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. So he reminds them of their past condition. that They were dead in their sins. He reminded them what God had done. He made you alive. He's emphasizing God is at work. God is the one who is doing this removal and this operation. And now they are in Jesus Christ. And as a result of this circumcision of Christ, as a result of being buried in baptism, buried with him, excuse me, in baptism. Now, at the end of verse 13, Paul said, your sins, all your sins have been forgiven. So what Paul is emphasizing here is very clear. Their sins were forgiven when they were buried with him in baptism. They were now circumcised with Christ when they were buried with him in baptism. They used to be dead, but now they were alive. This is that idea of newness of life. Because now they're united with Christ and their sins are washed away. So Colossians chapter 2. And verses 11, 12, and 13 help us to see that baptism indeed is essential for salvation. And one thing that is so powerful to do as you talk and study with people is to walk them through some of the salvation stories. You will be surprised that many people have not heard this kind of teaching. And I'm not saying that we are more elevated than they are or anything like that, but a lot of people have just heard for so long, well, baptism is not essential. But what Paul makes very clear here is that if your sins are to be removed, then you must be buried with him in baptism. You must believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he was risen from the grave, and you must respond with obedience. And when you do, God will remove your sins. God will be at work. He will be the one operating where that circumcision of Christ takes place. Now I hope and pray the person I've been studying with, they will obey the gospel. I don't know if they will. But maybe there's someone here this morning who recognizes, well wait a second, I have not been buried with him in baptism. I have not received this circumcision of Christ. Which means that I'm still dead in my sins. I'm not complete. I'm uncircumcised in the flesh. Well, if that's you, you need to make a decision. This is your moment of decision. Because all your sins can be removed today. Washed away and forgiven. If you're willing to submit to the will of God. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, BenjaminLee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on Amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you take care and God bless.